I don't know about you, but I've already enjoyed myself. This is such a special place to be, and, and sometimes when, when you're here a lot and you've been here for a while, sometimes things become familiar, and you really don't know how special and sacred it is, and, and what a unique place that we have to come and worship, and uh, our worship teams, plural, uh, are just unbelievable. I mean, it's not like this every place, and I'm not trying to puff you up or, 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 or brag uh, on you, so to speak, as much as I want to brag on what God's doing. It's, it's a very unique church, and, and I'm excited about what God is doing. This is a, a, a joyful season. We just got through celebrating the resurrection, and uh, you know, resurrection's not just a one-time thing. You know, he didn't just raise from the dead and it was over. He continues to resurrect, you know. He, he turns crucifixions into resurrection. So if you've been going through a, a crucifixion season in your life, God's just going to lead you into something that is going to be so much better than what you could ever dream or possible imagine. But uh, it's great to be here. I want to say how much I appreciate uh, Pastor Clay and, and Andrea and, and the leadership that they're providing. I, I know it means something. You can't be a part of a church. I, we were... We founded this, started this church back in about 15 years ago. Well, 17 years ago now, and uh, we started down by where the uh, right beside Dairy Queen in a little storefront church, and then we moved from there to the feed store that's right across from Paces Creek Elementary, and then we moved from there to the shopping center up here where the uh, the, the gymnasium is, and then along the way we had a few folks that uh, uh, that joined us from Community Church in Lockridge Creek, and it's a, it's a very unique story. And then about six years ago we purchased this property and the building uh, school, and then uh, built this sanctuary, and, and, and God has just, he, he's, he's just done exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could think or ask. You know, this place is, is packed almost every single week, and you know, I just, you know, I've learned more and more, uh, the older I am and the, and, the, and the longer I follow the Lord, that, that the truth is, it's not about the destination as much as it is about the joy of the journey together. And so, I'm thankful to be able to share that journey with you. We hosted a CTMF conference, and I won't go into too much about that, but that's the new ministry that I'm leading that Rick Clendenin started uh, several years ago, and I just wanted to say thank you to Clay and the church for allowing us to use the facility. Uh, I, I want to thank Dan and, and Kaylee for leading worship. They just slayed it. I mean, they killed it, they, and, so, and they added so much to the time that we had together. Uh, I want to thank Dan, the guys from Chad's Hope, uh, for coming and helping set up and take down and run media. Appreciate you guys so much. And, uh, you know, it costs me nothing to say thank you. You know, it costs you nothing to say thank you. And so I want to encourage you, you know, show kindness to somebody today. I don't want to ever take anybody for granted because, you know what, when you take things for granted, they can easily begin to walk out of your life. So I appreciate that. Let me give you one quick update. I'm getting ready to leave for Mexico next month, and I would covet your prayers. Uh, the guy that was going to go with me ended up not being able to go. And uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm not as in good a shape as I used to be other than being rounder. <laughs> I know round is a shape, but that was never my intention uh, and I wanted to be well-rounded, but not rounded well. And unfortunately, <laughs> I have, uh, uh, you know, I think I'm allergic to food. I don't know what it is. But, uh, but we're going to be uh, there for a week, and uh, we're going to be 
doing uh, two conferences. We'll be doing four sessions a day and then two evening services. So it's like six services a day. And man, I'm thinking I barely can get through one message without being wore out. So uh, I definitely need your prayers. We're going to be going to uh, Africa uh, again in the fall. And I want to share some very exciting news with you that just, I mean, it's overwhelming to, uh, uh, to, to get this report. We have a church planter and that's really what our main focus is in missions, is, is reaching the unreached. And when we talk about unreached, we're talking about people who've never heard the gospel. People that have never heard the name of Jesus. There's no mosque there, there's no temple there, there's, there's no church there. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely remote. Well, one of our church planners sent me a field report because we, we want to make sure that uh, there's proper accountability that's, that's there. We want to know that if they're doing the work that, you know, we can come there and visit that work and, and verify that that's what's happening. Well, one of our church planners is in a very, very remote area of Sudan. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there's no roads there. There's no running water there. Henry told me, for those of you that know him, he oversees all of that. But uh, Henry told me that this is the most remote area that they've ever been in. And I'm thinking, everywhere is remote in Africa. I mean, they have like little spots where, you know, there's some cities, but 90% of it is bush. And so in this particular area, uh, the, the, the water situation is horrible. You know, unclean drinking water is the number one killer of people worldwide. And so people in this particular part of Sudan are extremely vulnerable to, to sickness and disease, like typhoid, all these waterborne illnesses. And, and so the mortality rate's very low. But in this particular time that they made the trip, uh, from March the 26th up until... Uh, the 12th, I think, of no, the 20th, I believe, of April, they have led 627 people to Jesus in about three weeks. I mean, it's incredible. And I've got pictures of, uh, uh, of some of the folks that they would minister to, and uh, while they were there, they had prayed for a lady. This is how bad the situation is. Uh, they prayed for a lady that uh, was sick, and after they got done praying for her, uh, she walked away from them and died right in front of them. So they, they, they have no access to health care. Um, the majority of them don't even wear clothes. They're kind of hunter-gatherer type people. So, you know, uh, but God's at work. God is visiting these folks, and their hope is, is coming and going their way, and we're hoping to maybe get some water filtering systems to them at some point in time. Um, and, and, and hopefully we can go in there and make a difference. But the need is great, but God's greater than the need. Amen? All right. If you got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to read a couple of verses. I want to talk to you. I've never preached this message before, so if it's bad, you'll have to overlook it. But uh, I, I do believe that God has given me a word. I believe it's uh, uh, applicable for everybody that's here. I feel like somewhere in this message, you're going to be able to find where you are, and I believe God's going to give you a next step. I believe He's going to meet you where you are. Because, you know, no matter how difficult things have been up to this point in your life, we've lived in a season where it's been crazy with the pandemic and, you know, all the nonsense that's going on in the government and uh, you, on the media, just turn the TV off. You know, at least I promise you'll be more happy if you do. I'm not saying you're going to hell if you have a TV and watch it. I'm just saying you know, you'll feel like hell if you keep watching it. But <laughs> anyways... Some of you guys will get that in a moment, but, uh, but uh, you know, I believe that, that God is still on the throne. You know, the tomb is empty, but the throne is occupied. 
No matter how crazy the world is, there's no such thing as a crisis or emergency in heaven. God's not sweating this. He's still on the throne. And to prove just how faithful He is, think about this. You and God have made it through every single moment of the worst experiences of your life up to this point. You've got a history with God. God has got a, a, a history with you of, of helping you get from where you are to where you need to be. And even when things seem to be impossible, the Bible says God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so God is faithful to us, but it's important that we know where we are right now. So I want to talk to you about a place called there, 1 Kings 17. We're going to read verses 2 through 4, and, and then we'll skip down to verses 8 and 9. If you're there, say Amen. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, talking about Elijah, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. It's important to take note of that. Let's skip down to verse... 8 verse 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So God speaks to Elijah two times, and he says, Look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move from where you are now and go to the place called there. Every one of us has a place called there that God wants us to find. But we'll only discover that place called there if we hear and receive and obey what God's saying. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. I pray, God, that you'd help me to speak with clarity, with understanding, with revelation. Open up our hearts, Lord, that we may receive from your word. Lord, you're doing great things here, and we, we rejoice and celebrate for all of the good things. But Lord, we believe that even greater things are still on the way. Help us to know where we are now and where you're calling us to go in the future. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Within the four walls of this building... There's a crowd of people that have tremendous potential. Not just human potential, but God-given potential. But potential within itself is not really good or bad. Because potential is something that has to be developed. God's gift to you is your potential. But what you do with your potential is your gift back to God. And even though I'm extremely excited about what I see happening, and even though it causes me to rejoice to see the church growing and good things have taken place, I can't help but believe that greater things are still on the way. But the greater things I believe God is calling us to, the greater things that I believe God is wanting us to experience, the greater things that I believe God wants us to do. Even Jesus said of His disciples, He said, The works that I do, you shall do also. And even greater works than these shall you do, for I go to my Father. So there are greater things still ahead. 
But none of that will be accessible to us if we remain where we are. We must not remain here even though this is a good season. We can't stay where we're at right now even though things are, are, are positive and, and, and things are going well for us. Here is not our destination. God has called us to a place called there. Now if you read in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verses eight, uh, chapter 17 and 18, you'll discover that God is saying the same thing to Elijah at this point in his life. You know, things are going well for him. You know, he's the major prophet in Israel. And, you know, he's prophesying. And God's backing up his words. And God is saying to Elijah what I believe he's saying to you and I. He's saying, Elijah, I have greater things for you to experience. I've got greater work for you to do. But none of that is going to be accessible. And you won't experience any of those things if you remain where you are. And so God starts speaking to Elijah about the place called there. And so we read earlier in the text in, in chapters 17 verses 2 and 3 that God speaks to Elijah. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, Arise and go to the brook Cherith, for I've commanded ravens to Take care of you there. See, God was going to reveal something to Elijah that he had not yet experienced. And had he not arise and went to the brook Cherith, and we'll find out whether he went or not in just a few moments, but he said, there I will feed you. And then he says to him again in the next few verses, he says, I want you to go to Zarephath. And he said, for there I have spoken and I have commanded a widow to take care of you and provide for you there. But what is this place called there? The place called there is the place God has meant for you to be. It's the place where you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life. It's the place where the assignment God has given you is being completed. It's the place where your destiny is being reached. It's not here, it's there. God told Elijah, I want you to go to a place called there. Now, I want to use four seasons uh, of the year to, to explain what I'm talking about when it comes to the place called there. The first season I want to talk about is the spring season. Of course, spring is a time of, of new life and, and new growth. We just celebrated the, the resurrection. Martin Luther said that the resurrection is written on every new leaf. Listen, nature has a way of teaching us a lot about God. And so God is speaking to us in a lot of different ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are tuned in to hear what God is saying. But the resurrection is written on every new leaf. But spring, the spring season, is a time of new life and new growth. At this time, and this is where many of you are in your relationship with God. This is where many of you are uh, in, your, in your personal life, and even in this church to a certain degree. But the springtime is a time for growth. It's a time for learning. It's a time for, for gaining greater knowledge about who God is and what God is like. It's, it's foundational for the next few seasons that we'll go through. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy, or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, As newborn babes earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now listen to this. It's important that we make growing in our relationship with God a top priority. 
The greatest battle you will ever face as a Christian, hands down, day in and day out, is keeping your daily devotional time with God. Keeping God first in your life. Walking in the center of God's will. Seeking God's kingdom first. But if we do not keep our daily devotional time with God, every other problem we experience in life will get increasingly more difficult. Because the truth is, when we're talking about going from one season to another season, you don't go into a new season, you grow into a new season. Listen, how you exit a season determines how you enter into the next one. Some people are stuck in spring. Now, spring is a, is a good time of the year, but you know what? If you stay in your spring season, which is not really possible, but if we're not sowing the right thing, if we're not planting the right things in the spring, by the time we come to the end of the cycles of, of the seasons, there will be nothing on the vine that has grown. You won't receive anything that you have planted. And as a matter of fact, whatever you did plant will dry up on the vine. See, that's the way a lot of people are right now spiritually. Some of you, you haven't planted anything. You've not sowed in anything. I'm talking about into your personal life, into your relationship with God. And so you feel dried, dried up. You feel uh, empty. You, you feel alone. And it's simply because you've not sown anything. You know, the Bible says you reap what you so, so it's important to understand that springtime is a time for us to sow the right things. And we're sowing things that's going to produce a harvest in our relationship with God. We don't go into a new season, we grow into a new season. Now listen to this. Growing older is inevitable. Right? But growing up is a choice. You can grow old and still be a big baby at the same time. Now, wives, don't look at your husbands, and you're going to tell on them I'm not going to make eye contact, okay? I know. I've been accused of that myself a time or two. But growing old is inevitable. Growing up is optional. Making mistakes is inevitable. You're going to make some mistakes, but learning from those mistakes are optional. So it's really what this season talks about, and what it's really wrapped up into is are you teachable? Are you willing, because when I first got saved, you know, I was a sponge. I mean, every verse in the Bible blew my mind. I mean, the one Jesus wept, I mean, did you know it says that in this book? Doesn't that blow your mind? Because in that season of my life, listen, the sky was bluer, the grass was greener, and church people were nice. I didn't even know church people could be mean. And the Bible says, you know what? This is how you know that you passed from death unto life when you love the brethren. You know, I loved everybody, and I thought everybody loved me. But that was in the spring. Winter was a rude awakening for me, but I can't go there just yet. So it's at this time that we should be discovering our gifts and our talents. And let me say this. Every one of you individually have the, per, uh, the personal responsibility of discovering what your gifts, your talents, and your abilities are, and then you have the responsibility to use them for the glory of God. It's a per, and here's the thing. You can always tell who the babies are in the church. They don't take any responsibility. 
if you, if you come to church, now don't take this the wrong way. Listen, I don't mind, listen, I don't mind having babies. I've got five, and three of them went to the prom. Two, or two of them went yesterday. I bought three prom dresses, nails, hair. Oh, God. Just pray for me, okay? Tried to block that out. But it's our responsibility to take responsibility for ourselves. You are where you are today, not because of anybody else, but because of your own decisions. Your life, where it's at this moment, is the sum total of all the decisions you made up to this point. And listen, choosing not to choose is still a choice. Because if you read on down in the next two chapters, and we'll look at that in just a moment, we already know that God told Elijah to go to Zarephath, to go to the brook chairs, and go and he would provide for him there. But if you read a few more chapters over in chapter 19, he's not at the brook Cherith. He's not in Zarephath. He's running away from Jezebel. He's running. And you know what God did? God let him run. He ran and ran and ran and ran. And God said, go, 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 go. He allowed him to do it. And then you know what he did? He got tired. And then he fell asleep. Then an angel come and, and, and fed him. And, and, you know, I mean, you would think if, if you had an angelic visitation that, you know, that would probably wake you up. I mean, I, I, I think I would. I'd like to think that anyways. But you know what? After he rested and he got up and ate, you know what he did? He ran more. He kept running. Some of you, you've been running from God. Some of you, you've been running from the call of God. Some of you, have been running from responsibility. Some of you have been running from growing up. Some of you have just been trying to blend in and, and just be a nice little church person and, you know, just enjoy yourself. But listen, here's the thing. Life is not about you. See, the gospel is first you die, then you live. You know, Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, the same brings forth much fruit. Too many people think, that what's happening here on Sunday morning is about them. Jesus thinks it's about Him. But when you're immature, we think everything's about us, right? But it's okay to be that way for a season. But it's in the spring season that we need to realize, you know what, God's got a purpose for my life. I need to find out what is that. Uh, God's given me gifts, talents, and abilities. I need to figure out what those are. I mean, that's, that's why Clay does next steps. Because he understands biblically that this church will never reach the place called there until every person in this church is actively involved in contributing and using their gifts and talents and abilities to build the body up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be slacking. But I want you to, to, to look at this. Every person has at least one spiritual gift. Everybody. Everybody. But you know what? 75% of the people don't believe that. One out of four people believe that they have a gift. But the Bible, I mean, what part of the Bible do you disagree with? If I were to ask you, what, what are your spiritual gifts, your talents, your abilities? Could you tell me? If you don't know what they are, I can give you a simple next step. The next step is next steps. 
And whether you want to go or whether you don't want to go, it's your responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a part of the family. You know what, my children, they have responsibilities. They don't always do them. But sometimes they have to take out the garbage. And, and they don't like it. They're like, oh, Dad, uh. <laughs> if, I had a, if I had a penny for every time I heard, Dad, uh. <laughs> so finally, I'm like, okay. They want to go over to Nanny Pabs. I'll say, you know what? We'll sit right here at this house until you go pick that garbage up and take it out there. Rachel, on the other hand, is different. It takes all kinds, right? So they, whoever, you know, it is taking out the garbage, if they had a bad attitude, they'll take the garbage out, open up the garbage can, throw it down because they're godly. <laughs> they're pastor's children. And they come back in, I did it. How many knows we're not done yet? Because I just don't want them to take the garbage out. I want them to take the garbage out with a good attitude. You know, our Father in Heaven is the same way. I'm treading lightly. But knowing your purpose, discovering your gifts and talents, seeking to be in the center of God's will, will always help you get to the place called there. Now let's look at the second season. The second season is summer. Now in the spring, it's a season of new life and new growth. In the summer, it's a time of development and maturity. In the spring, we desire milk. I gave you the scripture there from 2 Peter. But in the summer, we, de we desire meat. Now the writer of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 is talking about the expectation that he had of Christians uh, at this time. He is, according to the, you can take it however you want to, but to me what this does, it, it, it points out that this guy expected these Christians to be acting differently than what they really were when he came to visit him. Right? Listen to what it says. It says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but yet you need someone to teach you the kindergarten truths of the Word of God all over again. You need milk and not solid food. This is the divinely inspired Word of God, right? God breathed. It's not the Word of man, it's the Word of God. If you read that Scripture in its context, there's an expectation attached to it. And that expectation is, you have to grow up into maturity and then begin to develop yourself so that you can be everything God wanted you to be. Now, how many of you are still on milk when you should be on the meat? Listen, i got five children. I don't, I don't mind to fix bottles and feed babies. I just don't want to have to part the mustache to stick the nipple in. That's gross. And in my 20 years of pastoring, I'll move on. So this is the season that we're in. So it's not only a season of new life and new growth from the spring. It's, it's, a, it's a season in the summer where there's development and maturity. In the spring, we discover God's purpose. In the summer, we dedicate ourselves to God's purpose. In the spring, we discover our spiritual gifts. In the summer, we deploy our spiritual gifts. Now, why is that important? 
Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.9 that your salvation had a calling attached to it. Every one of you are called of God to work for God in a particular area of ministry that's been uniquely designed for you. As a matter of fact, the calling on your life is older than the world. And now how do I know that's true? He says, God saved us with a holy, what? Calling. Not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us when? The calling on your life is older than time itself. Do you know what your calling is? If you don't know what your gifts and talents are, if you don't know what your calling is, that should tell you what season you're in. And whatever season you're in, you should be able to know what you should do next. Okay? See, some people get saved by grace and paralyzed by it at the same time. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that grace that is accompanied by salvation teaches us how to live. Grace doesn't give us an enablement to do whatever we want or do nothing at all. It teaches us how to live. And so in this season, it's time to dedicate ourselves to God's purpose and to use the gifts and the talents and abilities He's given us because before the world began, He saved us, called us, and He says, you know what? It's time to step up. The Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. What's the difference between the, the, the called and chosen? The chosen are those that responded to the call. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I ordain that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remain. Well, how are you fruitful? Well, you're fruitful when you are living in right relationship with God. As Clay was saying, you're abiding in God. But you're also fruitful when you take what you know and put it into practice. When you're utilizing your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities. When you are developing yourself. When you're growing in your relationship with God. When you're serving in the church. When you're ministering to people. That's all of us. There are no professionals in the kingdom of God. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. And the other thing about this is, the reason this is important is because time's running out on you. I don't know if you know this, but 10 out of 10 people die. The mortality rate's hovering right around 100%. The Bible says, you know what? There's a time to be born, there's a time to die. But it also says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So, here's what you need to know. Your life has been given an assignment. And that assignment has a time frame attached to it. And that time frame is the duration of your life. And, you know, when you go to the cemetery, you will see two dates. There'll be one that, that says the born, when you were born and when you died. Neither of those are that important. It's what happens in the dash that matters. Some people are so afraid to die that they have forgotten how to live. God wants you to live for Him and for His glory, and you will never be fully satisfied until you're doing what God's called you to do. 
And so there's a time frame in which it needs to be done. And time is running out every single day. Now let's see where we're at. You know, Moses said this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now why should we number our days? Because our days are numbered. Now let's look at this. Go to this next slide. What time is it? Now this is over a 70-year lifespan. Now I want you to look. If you're 20 years old, it's 652. If you're 40 years old, whew, it's 144. If you're 50, it's 510. If you're 60, it's 830. If you're 70, it's midnight. What time is it? I'll tell you what time. It's time for you to be about the Father's business. Because no matter where you are on this time clock, one day you'll stand before God. You know what I've learned about God? God doesn't forgive excuses of why you didn't do what you're supposed to do. He forgives sin that you repent of. So if we're going to get to the place called there, we need to get serious about growth. We need to be serious about development, maturity. We need to be serious about using our gifts, talents, and abilities. We need to be serious about doing the will of God because time's running out. Here's the third season. The third season is, Father, this is a pretty young church. A lot of you guys, are, the majority of you guys are younger than I am. It used to not be that way. I've got a little bit of gray, but five children would cause that. But in the fall season, you should have grown up a little bit by now. Of course, fall is harvest time. But you'll only harvest if you plant it in the spring. Right? But if we are trying to get to the place called there and we're going in and out of these different seasons, it's at this particular season that we discover the importance of investing in relationships. You know, relationships are critically important. And the truth is, one of the greatest indicators that a church is maturing in the faith is that people become increasingly more important to them. People are pretty important to God. Did you know that? The only thing we're taking to heaven with us are people. If you're eating anything else into heaven, you've got to smuggle it into people. People are important to God. And if people are not important to you, if you are important to you, then there's a maturity issue we've got going on. And so we're responsible to somebody and for somebody, but it's at this season that we recognize that, you know what? Not only should I be a disciple by now, I should be making disciples now. You know why? Because that is his last command. He said, go, that's a command word. That's not, that, that, that's not a passive word. That, that, that is an aggressive word. That is an action word. He said, go. Two-thirds of the word God is go. Do you know that? It's deep, profound. But go is a command. He said, go make disciples of all nations. And he didn't say, just missionaries. This is written to you. But a lot of folks, they look at the Scripture and think that, you know what, this doesn't really apply to them. But it does apply to you. So all of us should have three relationships right now. If you don't have them, I'm telling you, you desperately need them. 
Because anytime God desires to take you to a new level or bring you into a new season, He brings you into a new relationship. Relationships will make you or break you. They will either help you or hinder you. They will either bring you great joy or they will bring you great sorrow. But relationships are critically important. Three relationships everybody here should have is that number one, everybody should have a Paul. What I mean by that, I mean everybody should have somebody that's pouring into their life. If you're the smartest person in your circle, you need a new circle. I mean, that's what I appreciate about Clay so much is that, you know what, he's got a master's in divinity. He's pretty smart. But he's still teachable. He's not a nerd <laughs> that just likes books. What does he do? He is personally developing himself. Amen? He's made growing, learning... A priority. And not only is he studying on his, own, on his own accord, he's got people in his life that's pouring into him. So everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs Timothy. And Timothy is a guy that is underneath you that you're pouring into because that's how you make disciples. Somebody pours into you and then you pour into somebody else. Right? So everybody needs somebody that they're discipling. And the third person is Barnabas. And Barnabas is a person that comes alongside you and helps you walk out the Christian life together. You need to have a Paul, you need to have a Timothy, and you need to have a Barnabas in your life. Why? Because this church in your life will never get to the place called there alone. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Have you ever seen a turtle on a fence post? If you ever see one, I promise you, it didn't get there by itself. And neither will you. Christian life is, there's, Christian life is not intended to be lived out alone. As a matter of fact, that's a contradiction. You know, there's over 50 commands of one another's in the Bible, none of which you can do by yourself. That's why you do small groups, Right? So we can practice one another. So those three relationships are extremely important. And so everybody, listen, I want to talk to those of you that are serving. I know we've got people in children's church and other things. But if you're serving in any capacity in this church, in any ministry, hear what I'm about to say, okay? For this church to go to the next level and enter into the next season, which is greater than the season you're in, you need to be somebody's Paul. You need to be somebody's Timothy, and you need to be somebody's Barnabas. If you don't have that, you're going to be stuck, and this is as good as it gets. Why? Because infrastructure's got to change. Leaders have to be raised up. And the problem is when you're in the harvest season and everything's going great and, you know what, the building's packed out and, you know, everybody's excited and, you know, you know no problems going on, it's easy to get comfortable Probably nobody here, just at these other churches that I preach at, right? But if we refuse to embrace the change that this season brings into our life, what we planted in the spring will die on the vine.
Because you'll never get to the place called there alone. Now here's the last season. They can, if you want to, then come to music. I sent Clay 11 slides and I told him, listen, don't sweat it. Message won't be that long. So springtime is a time of new growth, new life. Summertime is a season of growth or maturity and development, right? Fall is a time of harvest. But what else happens in fall? What starts happening to the trees? They begin to change, right? What literally happens in the natural is the sap that goes up through the tree as it grows and pushes out to the limbs of that tree. The sap is what produces the leaves. But in the wintertime, leaves start changing colors. Why? Because instead of the sap going up, the sap starts going down. And as the sap goes down, we see the different colors. And you know what? It's a beautiful season, isn't it? But you know what's coming? Daylight savings time's over. <laughs> so this is the time of harvest, which is great. It's a time that we recognize that we need to invest in other people, invest in relationships, to develop these kinds of strategic relationships. But it's also a time of Colorful change. See, I've learned something. You know what? People really don't mind change. They just don't like being changed. I like the idea of losing about 50 pounds. Maybe more. But when I think about what i got to do to do that, I kind of resist that. Some of you are resisting that change in your life. And you're paying the consequences for it. See, everything that green grows, it's only when you're ripe that you rot. Rick Clinton always said, it's, it's the banana that gets peeled from the bunch, or gets pulled from the bunch that gets peeled. If you're out here living this thing alone, and I know some of you are, How's that working out for you? It's not the way God wanted it to be. But in the wintertime, I used to like it a lot better than I do now. I have hair. You'd be amazed how much this much hair helps you. Can I get a witness up in here? Bald is beautiful. Listen, I'd rather have a baldness than a man bun any day. I think Joe, uh, or I, I'd rather have baldness than a mullet any day. Josiah has, is growing a mullet. Who resurrected that thing, man? I mean, <laughs> the devil is a liar. And now my boy's wanting that. I'm like, he's got one. But it's this season right here. And this is so significant. And the winter season is 
when you take everything that you've gathered, all the blessings you've experienced, all the relationships that you developed, all the good things that have been deposited in your life throughout your Christian journey, and then you begin to give it away to others. So that's what we did when we transitioned pastors here. You know, pastoring a church is like raising daughters. You just give them everything that you've got just to give them away to another man. Isn't that horrible? But I know this church is in good hands. And now my success is no longer my success. My success is in his success. I'm not living to make Donald successful. I'm living to make those that are closest to me successful. See, there's no such thing as success in my life that doesn't include my wife and children. What good is success if you are alone? Think about all the good times you've had in your life. How many of those actually took place alone? But it's here you begin to distribute some things. And Paul knew this. He says in 2 Timothy 2.2, he said, The things that you've heard from me commit to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Now think about, there's four groups of people in that one verse. See, if you're going to enter the place or come to the place called there, you have to think big picture. You have to think long term. You have to think generationally. A lot of people just think about what happens in their life at this particular moment. We don't care if the, if the world goes to hell and our, and our family suffer as long as I'm gone into heaven. Right? But four, four, four groups of people. Paul, he represents a generation. Timothy, he represents a generation. Faithful men, they represent a generation. And others represent a generation. If, if the vision and purpose that you are living for today doesn't outlive you, it's not God's will for your life. I, 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 my, my, my heart is not to see this church grow and become the, the biggest church in the region. I want to see this church outlive me, you, and our children and be here until the Lord comes back. For me, that's my goal. Why? Because I'm walking in the beneficiary of that kind of relationship that Rick Clendenin and I had. I mean, can you imagine? This guy, he was like a dad. He was a dad to me. He was a part of every significant moment of my adult life. Dedicated all five of my children. Took me on my first trip poured his life into me shaped and formed me I mean honestly I have no clue where I would be without him but now he passed away it'll be two years in May and now all of his life's work has been transmitted and transferred into my hands and that's a very sacred thing so not only do, am I not going to live my life for myself, but I'm going to live my life to make those that God has given me close relationship with successful. 
I'm going to live the rest of my life carrying on another man's legacy. Why? Because it's not about me. It's, it's not about what I want and what I like. Because the truth is, you remove these people from my life, I have no platform to stand on. Remember the turtle on the fence post. So this is a very unique scripture here. I'm going to close with it. 2 Timothy 4 verse 13. Paul starts talking about wintertime. Now at this stage in Paul's life, he, he, he's in a season of his life where he can do very little for himself. He's actually in prison. And wintertime is coming. And so in 2 Timothy 4, he's actually writing to his spiritual son. And now he has a great need in his life. What is this great need? A coat. See, Paul understands that if he doesn't have a coat, when winter gets here, he's not going to survive. And he's at a place where he's limited of what he can do and what he can't do. But you know what he did? He did invest his life in somebody else who became a son who represented that next generation so that when he become weak and vulnerable and limited, he had somebody to help carry on and come to him when he was in need. So he says, go back to that next slide, the first one before that one. Go ahead, no, just go to the next one, sorry. But he says, bring, bring my cloak. Now what does that represent? What does the coat represent? It represents covering. Winter's not that bad if you got a good coat. But you will not have a good coat if you don't have somebody to bring it to you. Not only did Paul ask for his coat, notice, sorry, go back. He knows where it's at. Where's it at? Isn't that a crazy verse? Like, why is that included in there? Because winter's coming for you. Me. So, Paul had somebody that was going to bring his coat. He also knew where it was located. So let me ask you. Do you have a coat? Do you know where it's at? A lot of people struggle with coming up underneath spiritual authority but there's covering and protection assurance love help you, you don't have to feel like you're alone you don't have to feel like you're lost and nobody knows what you're going through Listen, there's, there's a covering in this church and you need somebody to cover you and you should be covering somebody that's the way this thing works Because if you live long enough, there'll be a winter time for you. And the truth is, we won't make it if we don't have a good covering. If we don't have a good coat. If we don't have a good sun. If we don't have good direction. Because when you're in the place called there, even in wintertime, you've got everything you need. Stand with me. So God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? 
And that's what I believe God is saying to some of you. What are you doing here? This is not where I intended for you to be at this stage in your life. I, I, I didn't intend you to be struggling with the same thing you've struggled for years and years and years and years. What are you doing here? But if you don't know what your need is, you'll never pursue the one who will meet that need. So what season of life you're in? I feel like there's some this morning that you are. You're in a winter season, but you're prematurely in there because of some bad decisions that you've made. And you just need to be redirected back. The fact that you're alive is good news. If the devil could have killed you, he would have. But you're here because God has a purpose and a reason. And, and your life is destined to make an impact for the kingdom of God. But yet you've not surrendered that to Him. Maybe you're here and, and you know what? You're thinking, I don't even know God. The first step for you is to come to the place called there. Where is there? This morning, there is here. And if you will come from where you are to where He is, I promise you, your life will change. One moment with God can change everything. I'm living proof. But some of you, maybe you've been running from the call of God. God's saying, you know what? It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup. You're either coming the easy way or the hard way. But you're coming. But thank God He uses reluctant people. Jonah was very reluctant. He didn't want to go do what God told him to do. So he goes and hides. And you know what he says? God says to him, what are you doing here? You don't want a great fish to come have to swallow you up. I've never been in the belly of a great fish, but I've been in the belly of addiction. I'm telling you what, it's just as bad. Maybe some of you just need to be spit out of that fish's mouth. Get you back on the right track. Let's pray. Father, I feel your presence in this place so strong. I believe you've spoke to us today. I believe we've heard from heaven today. And I pray for every person that's here that is consciously aware of the calling you've placed on their life, but yet they've been reluctant to that. Lord, this church will never reach the place called there by remaining where they are. And you've got leaders upon leaders upon leaders that you've brought into this church. Great potential for even greater fruitfulness. But we can't remain where we are and expect to experience those things. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And God is speaking to you and asking you, what are you doing here?